0: Walt Disney, ABC, Universal Pictures, TNT, Paramount Studios. Can you guess what I'm listing? Should be pretty obvious, right? Entertainment networks. Many of which I'm sure we have either come across at one point or another, especially now with streaming services at peak usage. Now, here's a harder question. Can you name a movie or show from each of the companies? How about an actress in that show? What about an actress who is a Muslim? I've surely stumped you by now. And no, it's not to point out anyone's pop culture flaws, since I limit my rotation to the few, but I asked to demonstrate the implicit there are plainly less choices. Now, there is no denying that representation on the big screen is a prevailing issue. The effect is not local to the pixels and train of images projected in one's living room. Casting a net far and wide media is both a symptom of and a contributor to this country's injurious attitude towards people of color. Simply put, individuals of color Immigrants are rarely portrayed in the complexity that their human characters warrant and with the sensitivity that should follow any culture or even religion. But wait, before you go down a rabbit hole discouraged by what is, I want to say something. As hard as things may be right now where days are honestly clouded with uncertainty, there is abundant good happening around us. Let's embrace that. Now, more than ever, are ordinary, impassioned people fighting hard for what and who they care about? This is not exclusive talk about Corona or the health crisis. In fact, I urge us to continue conversations about other problems, local and systematic alike, that remain a reality for many if you haven't picked up on the obvious hints the focus of today's episode is on the entertainment industry leading the battle from within for inclusion and accountability is sue Ubedi, director of impact's hollywood bureau our guest today on immigrantly so please give her a warm red carpet welcome
1: If we want to see change, then we have to change it with our actions. And if we can't change it with our actions, then we can can change it with our heart or what have you. Not buying Starbucks because you disagree with a certain uh, policy that they are promoting actually makes you feel good and makes you feel like you're doing something. And that's very Hmm. valid.
0: Thank you so much for coming on my show. I'm so excited. I have so many questions. So we'll start with your title. Your title is Director of MPAC's Hollywood Bureau.
1: Yes, the Muslim Public Affairs Council. That's what MPAC stands for. And I am the Director of the Hollywood Bureau. So judging by
0: name alone, you know, I could or anybody could settle for a host of bios, right? It could mean public affairs. It could mean something to do with Hollywood. It could mean Muslim-focused organization. But I want to open the discussion with your take on what MPAC does and what you see as your role within the company.
1: Okay. Well, MPAC is actually a public policy organization, public policy advocacy organization, that works with government and policy and industry professionals to change the perception of um, Muslims and Islam in America. That was the explanation of what IMPACT is. The IMPACT's Bureau works exclusively with the industry. And we work on changing the narrative of Islam and Muslims in the entertainment industry. So Muslims see us as Vital contributors to america and we do this by engagement really heavy engagement Engagement with decision makers engagement with creatives and with talents the talent that we work with are Exclusively muslim for the most. I mean, I mean I would I want to say exclusively but sometimes, you know, we do Work with um, you know other talent, but we connect muslim talent to the industry executives so they can have opportunities in the industry.
0: When you say decision makers, who are these decision makers?
1: Uh, Decision makers are executives in in studios, executives Mm. in agencies, production companies, television networks. Those are the decision makers. Those are the people who, you know, are very vital in getting you in the door.
0: And what role do you play in all of this as the director?
1: Sure, I'm pretty much the conduit. For MPAC, I am the go-between um, between the industry and the talent in the in the community. And so I work on engagement with with the the you know industry professionals and creatives in order to identify and create and foster opportunities for our Muslim talent.
0: What is the hardest part of this job, Sue?
1: The hardest part of this role is that there's not enough of us to go around. Us meaning people, Muslims who are doing work in the industry. We're a little bit behind other communities where they have a stronger foundation in the industry. You know, culturally speaking, Sadia, this industry, the entertainment industry, is not an industry, our community, our immigrant community. I shouldn't say our community. And I'm generalizing, I understand. But for the most part, the immigrant community you know, did not see this as an industry that is where they want their kids to start a, a career, where their kids wanted where they wanted their kids to be a part of. But in reality, it's, it's probably the most powerful industry there is, because the industry that changes hearts and minds and feelings and actions and behaviors, that's the powerful, that's a powerful tool. So the hardest part, just to answer your question, is that there's not enough of us to go around and, and we just need more Muslims in the entertainment industry.
0: So as you mentioned that immigrant community, especially Muslim immigrant community and parents are not receptive to this kind of job and it's not something that children would first think of when asked what they want to be when they grow up, right?
1: Well, not only, I mean, that's, this is where it's starting to change. So I said the immigrant community, you know, as the immigrant community is transitioning and now we have, you know, the millennials, you know, even younger kids, they are now looking to this as a career choice. So it's not the same as it used to be 15 years ago.
0: Why do you think it's changing now with the newer generation?
1: Oh, because they are seeing kids these days, you know, young adults are seeing this industry as a way to create social and behavioral change Mm. in society. So while policy is very important, you know, to create legislation that will, for example, punish someone from committing a hate crime against another community member, it is this industry that creates understanding and empathy where it would be unacceptable to commit a hate crime if it were to work the way it should. Laws can protect us, but stories can tell us how to feel. So, yes, to, to create that change.
0: So, so what led you to this career at MPAC? What was the trigger for you when you were growing up?
1: You know, that's a great question. So I've been with MPAC for 20 years, almost 20 years, mm. and I was actually uh, the director of operations. I ran the business, I ran the finances, the human resources, you know, programming, et cetera. For me, it was really that the fact that I grew up loving the industry. I grew up as a couch potato. I grew up being that person that just enjoyed stories, that learned about other communities from stories. I grew up watching shows about the, you know, the black community. I grew up watching shows about, you know, people that were different than I am, Asians as well, you know, so I, and so many other communities. And in the past 10, 15 years, you, you know, I've been watching shows about the LGBTQ community. And so that's also changed how I feel about other communities. And not that I, not that I was a racist or a bigot against them, but I'm, what I'm saying is it opened my eyes about those communities that I didn't know much about. And it created empathy. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of times we don't see our pain. We don't see somebody else's pain. Yeah, yeah. So you understand what I'm trying to say. Like it, we see our pain more, more important than someone else's pain. And we can't. That's the, that's the wrong way to go about it. Because we are one, one humanity.
0: So you're saying that storytelling helped you retrain your brain to be more empathetic to other people. Can you give us an example of that, Sue? Can you talk about a particular show that really influenced your understanding of a culture?
1: Oh, I mean, yes. I mean, I, you know, the, the an old show back in the 70s, it was a Norman, Norman Lear show mm. called Good Times. And it's about, you know, a lower middle class family, you know, working, you know, in America and how they're treated and the racism that was, you know, dodged against them. Honey, you never
0: walked away from a test before. Tell us what's really bothering you. Mama, they don't know it, but that IQ exam was nothing but a white racist test. Oh, Michael, how could it be a white racist test? All school children take it of all colors. Yeah, but this one was given by the white people, made up by white people, and even graded by white people. It don't tell you how smart you are, just how white you are. That's why the average black score is 15 points slower than the average white.
1: But son, you ain't average. Michael, you can pass any man's test in any color.
0: Maybe so, daddy. But a lot of black kids can't. The black community is different. It has a different language and culture altogether.
1: Who opened my eyes to the plight of the African-American community, even as a child. Roots um, is is another series that you know that opened my eyes to the plight of the black community in America, in the world really, because people are racist against the black community, um, not only in America but in Europe, in Muslim countries. You know, you know that's why the Prophet peace be upon him in in his last sermon had to say that no man is better than another man, you know, regardless of the the color of their skin, because there was racism even in our societies, you know, another community is LGBTQ community, you know, that I I didn't know much about growing up and, and knowing their plight, you know, and that made me understand, you know, how important we all are to the world. You know, the disabled community that had to deal with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. you know, the show is slipping my mind, not the Wonder Years it was with the woman from Homeland. God, what is her that show called? It was an old show again, you know, you know, not knowing about the disabled community, mm. the community of down syndrome. A lot of TV opened up my eyes to certain communities. Mm.
0: Let's talk about your projects. Can you share some memorable projects that you've been on where you saw impacts? consulting had a visible impact on a production's trajectory and influence?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, I mean, I can't talk a lot about the shows that we work on because of the NDAs, the non-disclosure agreements. I can talk about, you know, shows that already aired on Netflix, Glitch Tech, that we were brought in from the very beginning in the development of the character. We were able to fashion and change and the character from name to execution, from naming the character to the execution of the character. You know, when we go in and consult from the very beginning before the script is written, we're able to have more control of how a character and a storyline is projected. Um, And so those are very successful projects that we're working on when we go in from the very beginning. And one of them is Glitch Text on Netflix.
0: Are there any benchmarks, whether qualitative or quantitative, to measure success of your work for a particular project?
1: I think, I think uh, you know, how many times the character is seen in the series mm. is something, you know, that's quantitative. We worked on Grave Anatomy. Um, we helped them create The Muslim Surgeon on the show. That was another one that we... Create, help create from the very beginning. Dr. Kadri, where are you going? I assumed you were leading us. Let me ask again, where might I find Mrs. Olivier? She's in a room. Oh, you mean, let me get the room number. Um, Uh. it logged me out again, how do I log back in?
0: So walk us through the process. How did you do that?
1: It starts in the writing mm-hmm. room, in the writer's room, where we go in and we do a presentation. We brainstorm ideas, we brainstorm storylines, and we go and continue the process through different episodes. Those are the successful and memorable moments and projects. So when I
0: think about LGBTQ community, I think about will and grace and that being their watershed moment, right? Is there or has there been a watershed moment for Muslim community?
1: The answer is yes and no. I don't think we've we've realized our will and grace yet. I think that is coming. I think our blackish is coming, our fresh off the boat is coming soon, in probably <laughs> the next couple of years, you know. Unfortunately, this crisis with COVID is slowing the industry down. But I can see us having our watershed moment soon. I, I think Rami could be a considered watershed moment, but I don't know if it it had the viewership that it needed outside of the Muslim community. That it needs to be a full on watershed moment. I think that him, him winning a Golden Globe. Is definitely a huge win and could be a watershed moment, but. I don't think it's at the level of willing grace, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. What do you think in terms of how the industry is reacting? Is it like, is there a lot of pushback from the industry or as a whole, is the industry more receptive to the idea of changing those stereotypes around Muslims?
1: I think that's a great question. I think that after the president was elected, you know, not after the plugs, he was after he ran for the presidency. I think that the, re- the industry became way more receptive than they ever were. Oh, really? I, oh, absolutely. I mean, that's how we were able to, you know, help them create will and grace. We didn't go to them. They came to us. And during the period of when Trump ran for president and subsequently became the president, that was when we realized the, our biggest growth in the Hollywood Bureau.
0: Why do you think that is the case, though?
1: I think, I think Hollywood leans left a little mm-hmm. bit and, you know, they're more liberal. And so they saw a need to help protect a vulnerable community. And so they came basically to our defense by helping us create stories and characters.
0: So let's talk about an interview that you did for the Advancing Diversity podcast. You were interviewed on Breaking Bias in Hollywood. And asked about the damaging legacy Hollywood has created around the Muslim narrative. Now, what from what I understand, the harm is not just institutional, right? It is also the fact that for consumers, what we see on TV is often is consumed as the whole truth, which by the way, it isn't, right? Now, my question is twofold. First, it sounds like there is this upstream engagement that happens with MPAC and it's consulting. However, there are scenarios where the script is already out and run and you notice that it falls a victim to the prejudices that MPAC actively warns against. Now, I have one show in mind that I really want to talk about and that is Homeland. It is one of the most bigoted and ostensibly violent show right their f- season 4 in fact was focused on Pakistan and i grew up in Pakistan and the country was represented as undemocratic war-stricken the accent that was used for people to represent pakistanis was completely off pace now by the grace of god We will strike the heaviest blow at the crusaders who occupy our country. How long have they flown over our homes? bombed our weddings and funerals? Murdered our women and children? We will drive them from our skies. We will show their crimes to the world. I felt like there are so many discrepancies in that show, whether cultural, linguistic, geographic, yet the show has a very strong, loyal Following. What is MPAC's role in holding Hollywood companies like, say, ABC accountable on their content after it has been broadcasted?
1: Just so you know, we didn't really consult on Homeland. That wasn't really one of our projects. We did have a roundtable at one point with the writers' room when we saw that the direction was going in a certain way. I think it was after season four, though. It was like probably five. And by the way, then, you know, we did notice, I do, I, you know, I don't watch the show regularly. I have heard the show got better as it neared the end. I don't know if you're still watching the show.
0: Oh, I don't watch it. I just watch snippets of it because I, I have boycotted yes. it, basically.
1: I understand. And, and they heard the community loud and clear. And since, I think, season five, I believe they they got a lot better and i i I've, I've heard comments like wow you know did you see this episode it was really awesome so i don't think it's fair for us to fully talk about it because we're both not watchers of the show on a on a regular basis but i'll just talk about it in 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 the spirit of your right. question and that is you know, how can we hold hollywood accountable after something has aired is that correct yeah. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to make sure I understood <laughs> your question correctly. Um, it's very hard when you don't have a critical mass to hold an industry accountable. What does that look like? How does it look like when you don't have a critical mass, mm. right? So impact, I'm not saying that you we cannot hold the industry accountable when you don't have a critical mass. I'm just saying that's not how impact engages with mm. the community. We would rather go in and say, look, we've noticed that the, you know, the content is problematic. We are here for you to help you tell a better story, a more authentic story, a more nuanced story. Mm -hmm. Right. So our way of, I suppose, holding them accountable is by helping them hold themselves accountable. But are we going to boycott and petition? Look, I'm going to be very honest with you, that got people nowhere fast, hmm. you know, unless you are a critical mass, they really won't stop to say, oh my God, the Muslims are upset. In fact, when we start rattling the chains and start creating those boycotts, guess what that does? It actually helps promote their work. So I'm not saying in the future that boycotting and petitioning and, and all that is not going to work. I'm just saying it doesn't work right now. And it doesn't work for impact. Maybe other organizations want to engage in that activity. That's fine. In our experience, that does not get us far. And so we'd rather go in and say, we want to be a resource for you. We want you to tell a better story. So let's engage each other.
0: When I talk about boycott, I'm thinking about consumers and not organizations.
1: Still, so what, what? So what? Look, they tried to boycott Starbucks. Mm. You know, where, where, where did that get us? Mm more Starbucks branch. I don't know. You know, I don't know. I've never, I've not, I, I I can't tell you if it works, if you're not a critical mass, it works when you're a critical mass.
0: So if a lot of people were to do it on a massive scale, then it will have some kind of an impact.
1: Exactly. So if it's not just the Muslims boycotting Starbucks because of whatever they're boycotting Starbucks for, it will work. If it's you know, I'm so sorry. I mean, that's just Mm. the reality. Let's just be Mm. real And 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 you're talking about an industry that has a history of vilifying muslims and arabs and south Mm. asians Okay, the one percent got together the one percent of muslims got together and started telling the industry Um, you know, you're you're messing with us and you're not doing this right and boycotting and we're not going to watch your show and we're not going to you know, buy your product and the 1% isn't going to do it. I'm, I, I just got to be clear with you and be very real with you and until, unless we're a critical mass, they're not going to listen. Now it could make us feel good and make us feel like we're making a difference. And to be honest with you, as Muslims, I think that's valid. You know, if we want to see change, then we have to change it with our actions. And if we can't change it with our actions, then we can, you know, we change it with our heart or what have you not buying Starbucks because you disagree with a certain uh, pol- policy that they are promoting actually makes you feel good and makes you feel like you're doing something. And that's very hmm. valid. What I'm trying to say, it's not going to stop sales.
0: Right. So, yeah. So it won't impact the bottom line, which is extremely important for them. Correct.
1: And and this industry, Sonia, is the bottom line. And so if you want to help a, 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 a show you know, be popular because it's wrong or whatever, I would not promote it by by urging our community to boycott it because it's going to create more promotion for the show.
0: I'm trying to make a statement. Sometimes it's so hard to watch something that is so blatantly untrue.
1: (laughs) And I agree with you. So write an op-ed, you know, write an opinion editorial and just kind of, you know, Express why it's untrue, yeah. you know. But 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 just so I don't leave this conversation with you know, you feeling like there's no hope when content is bad. No, I mean, look. The reality is, as more Muslims come into the industry and create content, and we are you know consulting and in writers' rooms, that's how we're going to be changing the yeah. narrative. That's how we're going to balance out the negative. Right? There's even if we do the mo- even if we become the muslim communities become as powerful in the industry as the lgbtq community or the or the black community or the asian community and we and by the way all these communities i just said will still tell you the industry is not doing enough to project them authentically so no one is where they need to be except for the white male straight community no one no one is where they need to be even women are portrayed, you know, in a negative, weak uh, manner a lot of times. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So if you, how are we going to tip the scale? We're not going to tip the scale by by boycotting. Mm. We're going to tip the scale by making sure that our screenwriters have the skills and talent they need to become, you know, competitors in the industry. We need Rami Yusuf, but we need a thousand Rami mm. Yusufs. You no, know? and we need Rami Yusuf in the form of women. We need Rami Yusuf, you know, Yusuf, you know, who can sell a show to a Hulu. Yeah. To, we need a Mo, Mo Amr. We need, you know, a Maz Jibrani. We need, you know, a, a Maisoun Zayed, who, you know, is a regular on, on General Hospital and who's disabled and who's Palestinian. Mm. We need a hundred of these people.
0: But do you think, Sue, people know that these actors exist
1: other than Rami Youssef?
0: No, well, you're right. They don't.
1: They really don't. But that's why we need that critical hmm. mass.
0: So in terms of the audience, and I'm not talking about Muslim audience, I'm talking about audience in general, what advice, if any, can you provide the viewers who want to be more mindful of what they are consuming, but they also want to find enjoyment in what's on media
1: right right you don't want to be you don't want to be
0: preached to Yeah, yeah absolutely
1: i mean look expand your horizons expand your horizons get out of your comfort zone and 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 really it's i'm addressing the people in middle america who who are sitting on the fence who don't know much about muslims who you know They kind of know a little bit, but what they know might be negative. You know, you want to challenge them to get out of their comfort zone and watch shows that are... How do
0: I challenge those narratives for somebody who's sitting in middle America?
1: I mean, look, I think you're a storyteller, write stories, tell stories that you could pitch Hmm. to, you know, to trade magazines, to, you know, evangelical (laughs) magazines, to, you know, I mean, look, it's hard. It's not easy. But how did, how did the LGBTQ community yeah. do it? They did it little by little, right? And, and again, because this industry, Sadia, has historically not been the industry that we've been playing in, we're playing catch mm. up. And we will catch up, I promise you. We will catch up. And when we do, it's going to be so different. And I know in one of your questions, you said 20 years. I don't think it's going to take 20 years. No yeah. way. It's going to take five years, three to five years. Because again, the immigrant population is transitioning out. Mm-hmm. We have millennials who will not be okay with no. We have millennials who are talented, who are finding ways mm-hmm. of getting their content on the air, whether it's YouTube, whether it's through their cell phone, whether it's the, the streaming platforms, I don't know. Our learning curve is not going to be as steep as other communities.
0: And media interface, as you said, has changed. Podcasting as a medium. We see YouTube as it, a medium. So I think that absolutely. has changed.
1: Twitter, Twitter is, a, exactly. you know, is a medium, you know, to to tell a story real quick. So we, what, what other communities did not have, we have. And we now also now have, finally, 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 a community that sees this industry as a, the powerful industry that it is.
0: So, what shows are you watching right now, Sue? Are there any particular shows that you are watching?
1: I mean, don't laugh. But I'm still, I'm still in love with um broadcast television. <laughs> I'm still watching Grey's Anatomy. I'm still watching Blackish. Ah. I'm still watching Will and Grace. Absolutely.
0: And in the end, this is the question that you mentioned when you're talking about twenty years. I asked, where, where do you see America and its media industry in 20 years? So I'll revise it and say, where do you see it in five years? And what's next for you?
1: Well, I mean, so so those are, let me answer the first one. In five years, I do see that, you know, more talent will be, be highlighted from underrepresented communities. I mean, remember America in what, 2040? the minorities will be the majority, yeah. mm. right? And you can't ignore us. I mean, you can't ignore us. So as we get closer to 2040, the industry is going to have to change because decision makers in, you know in the C-suites are now seeing that we can make them money. And again, it's all about the bottom line. So when, you know, it's not only just changing the narrative to change the narrative so we can impact hearts and minds, the industry is about the money. Yeah. And so the more we show that minority communities can make the industry money, the more we're going to be seeing films and TV series from those communities. What's next for me, I think I'm hoping that impact can start to create content because I think we have a great relationship with the industry, the mainstream industry. And I, I really see us at the forefront of, of being that, you know, that change maker in creating content. And I, you know, that's something I'm hoping the board of MPAC could see and, and, and do in the future.
0: What kind of content are we talking
1: about? I'm talking Muslim specific mm. content. I'm not talking religious content. I'm talking content from Muslims, storytelling from Muslims, whether it's a drama, limited series, sitcom, sci-fi, horror. We hope to be seeing Stories from and about Muslims even if it's from a Muslim about a sitcom not about a Muslim It doesn't matter look at the show fresh off the boat Um, the creator came from a Muslim background I don't know if she identifies Mm -hmm. as Muslim, but she came from a Muslim background has nothing to do with Muslims I believe she's she came from her family from Iran, you know That show has nothing to do about Muslims and so I think we're going to be seeing a lot more from Muslims and about Muslims. You have mentioned
0: other minority communities as well. Before we end the interview, I just wanted to get your take on how we can make this, I don't want to call it fight, but this journey more intersectional and supportive of each other and bring other communities together. Oh my God,
1: fabulous, fabulous question. And thank you for, you know, not seeing it as a fight, even though it is a struggle. You don't want to have that attitude of it's a battle. I mean, it is a struggle, but you want to come at it as we need to lean on other people's experience, right? Um, I learned so much from the Black and LGBTQ community in the industry Mm. and how they were able to do what they were able to do. If you talk to someone from that community who works in the industry, they will tell you we're not where we, we need to be. So the, the struggle continues, mm. right? But not to see it as a fight is very healthy. And I like what you said, because so many people want to just burn down the system and rebuild it. And, I, and I'm telling you, good luck, because better people than us have tried and got them nowhere. So you want to figure out a way to bring in people under the mm. tent and to realize as Muslims, we are intersectional. We are Hispanic, we are black, we are gay, we are, you know, we are Arabs, we're South Asians, and not to think of um, the Muslim community as just one. We are Muslim communities. The black Muslim community in America is the largest Muslim community in America, but the Hispanic Muslim community is the fastest Mm. growing Muslim community in America. We have to stop thinking of Muslims As just being Arab or South Asian or Indonesian or Malaysian. That's not healthy, and that's not going to help us create better stories for the industry. So the industry needs to see us at the intersection that we are.
0: And in the end, if you were to describe America in a word or a sentence, how would you do that?
1: In a word, I mean, look, I'm not going to lie to you, America is the best country in the world, despite its opportunity areas and challenges, period. Islam in America is healthier than Islam in the Muslim-majority countries, period. And so being a Muslim in America is inspiring and motivating and empowering, period.
0: Where can people find more information about MPAC?
1: Well, MPAC's, yeah again, so again, it's the MPAC Hollywood Bureau. So more information about MPAC is mpac.org. More information about the Hollywood Bureau is impacthollywoodbureau.org.
0: Thank you, Sue. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys had fun listening to Sue's episode because I surely did. And there was so much I wanted to talk about. And I am glad that much of it was addressed during this interview. If you guys have any new interview or episode ideas, you can always reach us at info at immigrantlypod.com. As a reminder, we are on Twitter at immigrantly underscore pod and on Instagram at immigrantlypod. Hopefully you will tune in for another incredible story. And in the meantime, stay safe and distant.